All right, hi everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. I'm your host today, current NHL defenseman Connor Carrick. Our guest today is Robbie Shrimp, uh, American uh, forward uh, legend. Uh, scored more points than I can count growing up. Uh, took his youth stardom into uh, the Ontario Hockey League, a league we shared uh, in our development, and eventually went on to become a first round pick, going 25th overall. Uh, that was a lot higher than I did by the Edmonton Oilers uh, in 2004. I didn't realize you were eight years older than me. Uh, we, we crossed paths at an AHL All-Star game when you were in Portland, I think, after coming back from Europe. Um, and you were hanging out with, uh, you know, Chris Bork, who I was used to, uh, you know, crack, uh, uh, banging heads with on the, on the power play and things like that. Every shot I took, he was open. Every, you know, goal I took, he was still open. Um, so, Robbie Shrimp, you played nine leagues over the course of your career. 114 in the NHL, 54 points. We'll talk a little bit about that, right? Like top six forward, crazy responsibility. You know, obviously you had immense pressure being a first-round pick by a Canadian franchise, but um, you're a prolific scorer all through youth hockey uh, and, and highly touted going into the Ontario Hockey League. We have a lot of listeners that, you know, are younger players, um, you know, maybe parents uh, to younger players trying to guide, you know, their development, which is the business that you're in now with Vision 44. Uh, and I followed, you know, how you've been able to build your company and, and your, you know, sort of support staff that way has been super cool. But let's start, you know, with youth hockey. What was your youth uh, hockey experience like? Where'd you grow up? Uh, and eventually, you know, how did you end up uh, in the OHL? Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the intro. And um, I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, diving back into it, you know, for me growing up in youth hockey, was, I'm from upstate New York. Fulton, New York is the town I'm from. And I, I really just played that you'll call it travel hockey, but it's, it's, I don't want to put it down too far, but it's kind of house hockey. It's just, you know, places around roughly 30 to an hour away from Fulton, New York, Auburn, New York, uh, Geneseo, um, where else we, Elmira was another spot. So it's kind of that local hockey and really hobby hockey, I would say, uh, growing up until I was about 10 years old. We had a great group of guys, Greg Haney, Tyler Zinsmeyer, Kyle Kozal. We had a group of us that stuck together from like squirt, uh, what were we, mites? Um, right up until squirts, triple a, um, you know, we, so we played Fulton local Fulton hockey. And then, you know, for me, the tide turned and really what changed my whole path in, in hockey was I, I, my dad, um, Don Kernan is his name. He's still involved in hockey. Brilliant guy in hockey mm-hmm. got involved in the Fulton ice arena. He took over the lease and his son took, uh, took over running the brink. And it turns out that like this guy was, he's unbelievable hot, like, honestly kind of the, the best shot I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not like to this day, like yeah. I've played in every top league you can imagine in the world and seen a lot of stuff, seen a lot of players. Donnie Kernan Jr. has the best snapshot I've ever seen in, in my life. And one day he was out shooting and my dad was like, Hey, would you like to help my you know sons out? So my brother and I used to, you know, started going to do uh, lessons with him after school. And I went from, 10 years old, I was playing again, that travel hockey. And I was, I was good there. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like a, anybody watched me at 10. They weren't like, this kid's going somewhere. Nothing like that. I was good at my level. Um, and then I started going with Donnie the next year at 11 years old playing triple a hockey. Uh, he scored like between 350, 400 goals. And we were playing Jesus. the David Bolins, the Evan McGrath, you know, those tournaments up in Canada, traveling like this AAA team. Went, we went from, I mean, it went right from like zero to 100 really fast. Um, the guy that found me, Chuck Blumquist, saw me at one of the Fulton games. was like, hey, would you want to play AAA, blah, blah, blah. You know, talk to my dad. 
And we said, yeah, why not? You know, so we jumped onto it and um, Syracuse Elite Crunch was our name. Syracuse Elite Triple A Crunch. And that year we played, played probably around 100 games in that house setting or the, you know, travel hockey, Fulton youth hockey organization. We played probably, I don't know, 30 to 40 games. And then we'd always had that one really cool tournament in Buffalo at the end of the year called the Pepsi tournament. And we get to go watch a Buffalo Sabres game. And that was like the pinnacle, right? Um, and then again, the next year we played about a hundred games and traveled everywhere, played all the top 86 teams. I mean, there was weekends we were playing seven games in different spots, you know, two games on Friday and Buffalo three games in or game game or two in Rochester. Then we drive halfway back to Syracuse, play a game. And then on Sunday we played two or three home games. So we were playing a ton of hockey and at the same time, having Donnie Kernan's, uh, Donnie Kernan Jr.'s influence, it really, it was uh, pretty powerful. So to kind of a long story long, but that's, you know, that's where it started for me. And that's where I kind of, that's where uh, I guess the snowball of me going outside of Fulton started. Uh, and it really was started with Donnie Kernan Jr. And a guy named Blair White. These two guys ran the rink and I got to go out there all the time. And, and Donnie gave me the, once I learned how to shoot, I just, it kind of opened up my eyes to the game, you know, and it, I started scoring goals and then what happens, I'd have three or four goals and players would start to get nervous and they didn't want me to shoot anymore. So then other things opened up. So then it showed me how to pass the puck as well. Um, but that all stemmed from, again, from Donnie Kernan Jr. So, um, that's kind of my youth path. And then at, at 12 years old, I started playing band of majors. And I remember it was a big issue with the organization because the peewee coach really wanted me to stay at peewee. And I was, I was good. Like I, I didn't belong at peewees, you know, it wasn't, it was very obvious I didn't belong at peewees and it was very, I think it was a little bit self-serving for them to ask me to stay there, you know? Yeah. And so they made me go to tryouts and I already made the band a major team, like, and it wasn't a hand me down or anything. It was like, he's going to have to earn it. And I went and, you know, I did really well at the tryouts. I was between Timmy Cicito and myself, who's two years older than me. I was probably the second best player on the ice. And, uh, so they made me go to PB tryouts <laughs> and I was kind of mad about it too. I remember being mad. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to play there. I want to play up. I want to, I want to go, you know, I want to be with the older kids. I want to push. Right. So I, I winded up hurting five out of the seven goalies that they had at, at the PB tryouts with my, my shot. <laughs> yeah, I yeah fine. It. You want me to try out? No problem. <laughs> yeah. Put your neck guard on. Yeah. yeah. So that, I just wanted to put a stamp on it, you know, and I didn't mean any maliciousness to the kids. It was just towards them. I was like, listen, I don't, I love belong here. Like the, the kids are jumping out of the way of my shot. Like, am I going to, I don't want to play here. Prove, yeah. yeah. So, um, so then I played band of majors and I, you know, we made it to the national champions that championship that year. Uh, next year, again, 13, I played band of majors. We had a really good team, Tim Sestito, Dustin Brown. Uh, who else was on our team? We had a bunch of kids, Jocko to Carlos, Christian Beaudry. We had a you know, pretty stacked team for that year. We went out and lost to CYA in the national championships, but um, it was a lot of great experience. Playing with Dustin was awesome. We had a really good connection. The chemistry was like, he, he played high school and kind of like the same thing, like local hockey for Ithaca. And he wasn't sure if he wanted to make that jump to AAA and play with the stars. And then uh, we got him to come to tryouts. And once me and him got on a line together, it was, it was pretty sick. We were tearing it up, like, you know, in a four or five game tournament on a weekend, we'd have 25, 30 points each and dominating winning games. And it was a lot of fun. So that was a big thing too, at that point, getting a chance to have that sort of buildup of confidence and everything. Cause the following year I went and played right into tier two junior a up in Canada. Um, so 14 playing against essentially, you know, you know, tier two is it's roughly 17 to 20 year olds. Yeah. 
and it can get wild up there too. Actually, it's pretty, you know, I mean, it's some of these guys coming down out of the OHL, they're 1920. They don't, you know, they're not really, they can't get scholarships. So they're kind of like burning a year or two. And I was on the tail other side of that, be like a 14 year kid trying to make it somewhere pretty full of himself. <laughs> and these guys, it drove them nuts. <laughs> But, yeah, I'm sure you got your fair share of two hands. I love the uh, the imagery of you, you know, playing all that hockey growing up. Like I remember the same thing, playing five games in a weekend, you know, all above, all around uh, suburban Detroit or Chicago, wherever. And you've got your Under Armour gear, like airing out on the rooftop yeah. as you're driving from one rink to the next, and it was the best. Like I, I actually shudder at the idea. I mean, you know this. You played pro hockey, like you know, you leave your gear out in the summer to to dry, and all of a sudden it rains. You got to put your gear on wet the next day, and you're like, oh man, like you're yeah. you're doing the. Uh, the, the, the risk reward analysis, you're like, what's the skate worth to me? And then, you know, you think back and you honor that, that 13 year old that just wanted to, you know, fill the net with 400 goals a year. And you're like, that kid would put his gear on no problem, yeah. you know, and you, you strap <laughs> yeah. it on and, and you just got on. And so there's an interesting parallel there. Very similar. So, so it was Donnie Kernan Jr. You said, yeah, was his name? Yeah, it was, it's pretty cool. We had, uh, Dave Gus was the gentleman's name. He bought the rink growing up, and I was the same age as his son, Dave Gus Jr., who played uh, pro with the Chicago Wolves last summer. And very similar. It's almost like a an NHL like draft and develop type uh, mindset where we had like a, a group of youth kids. A bunch of us went Division One uh, out of an organization that you know sort of didn't. Uh, we had a coach and and Darren McCluskey, and actually uh, I kind of wanted to dedicate this podcast to uh, you know a mentor of mine, Brett Rote. Uh, was a guy he spent a lot of time working out with and and training with and learning how to sauce pass with. He he passed away recently at at uh, you know forty years old and I mean this is the industry you're in now where you know you you just have such a, a hunger and an ambition as a young player and hockey is such a coached sport like it's so it's so nuanced right you're dealing with all these things you're not born with you're not born with a stick you're not born on ice right these are very foreign things to you know sort of the human experience and you know, the right coach at the right time can just totally change a young player's trajectory. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it can be super influential. And yeah, I mean, either way too, it can go negative as well. You know, like in this instance, we're talking about, it's super positive. And these, these guys were great people. Like they they saw, and for my instance, my case, they just saw me at the rink and they saw that I was a rink rat. Don, Don, Donnie Kern or Donnie Jr.'s dad was like, anytime you want the, anytime the ice is open, go, you know, he just really good guy. Just, you know, there's nothing behind it. He just knew that I loved it and let me go. And, and that went for a lot of anybody that really, if you love hockey, you want to get on the ice, it was free, go ahead. So, um, but it's, it's super impactful and super uh, encouraging, uplifting, you know, and, and all that stuff. So supportive, you know, once I started to get good at it, Don, this Don senior with, he I mean, he guided me, gave me the chance, even like at, at 13, he was going to try to, get me to play a game in the North American league. Uh, the Rochester Americans were playing in that North America, but I was, I went out for a couple practices and he was like, yeah, you're too young. You're, you're not ready. You know what I mean? Those <laughs> guys small. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah that was well, like, that was a tough league back then yeah, too. Like those guys yeah. would have grabbed you and, and taught you a lesson or two, no problem. Yeah. So that's probably, that was a good move. So, but so, was, yeah. So, so, so how about, how about your, your transition then to the OHL? Cause that was, that was a big jump for me, even coming out of the U S team and, you know, to, to go back a little bit from triple a, I played for the Chicago Fury growing up and went to the national team development program. And that was a big jump. Um, you know, but, uh, who was your coaching staff in London and, and how did they, you know, that's the story of your NHL career, right? Super high vision, super high skill, a elite scoring shot. Um, 
you know, and I thought, you know, I, I definitely saw it in the OHL, like really high end offensive development of both within our own organization. I played for the Plymouth Whalers with Mike Vellucci at the time, who's an assistant coach uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins now, was an assistant GM in the National Hockey League. Uh, you know, we'd go toe to toe with, you know, Dale Hunter and Mark Hunter. These are all, you know, bona fide NHL front offices and coaches that just, you know, happen to appreciate working with, uh, you know, younger men more. Um, what was your OHL experience like? Yeah, so I, I got drafted first overall to the Missaga Ice Dogs in, I don't know, what was it, 02, 02, 03. And it was, it was, a, it was a big surprise. Uh, my 15 year old year in the OP, um, I led the league in scoring and I, and I had, you know, very offensive and, and I did well. Like I had most games I had control of the game per se and mm-hmm. dictating the play. And then, I mean, jumping up to that first training camp, going up there and seeing a guy like Patrick O'Sullivan, who was unbelievable, like skilled through the, like, like that guy could do whatever he wanted with the puck whenever he wanted. He could score whatever he wanted. It was like, holy, you know what I mean? I'm not the big dog anymore. And I showed up out of shape, you know, <laughs> I didn't know what yeah, I was yeah. going to do. You know, it wasn't really that big around our area. It was more like I just got on the ice and went and played. And I didn't, I wasn't, I to be blatantly honest, it wasn't off ice for me. I was on ice all the time. Uh, I never really, I just loved hockey. And I was always at the shooting room or was at the rink skating. So the off ice stuff, when I got to the fitness testing, it was like slap in the face. Um, but fortunate enough for me, Steve Ludzik was an amazing guy, an amazing uh, mentor, coach, uh, now a friend. Uh, really was great, great to me, great for me. And just, you know, he literally looked at me and he said that you're going to get your ass in shape and, you know, and you're going to see what it's like to be a, a, a pro hockey player. You're not going to, he just grabbed my waist. He's like, you're not going to play like this. And I was at, I mean, I was like 18, 19% body fat. I was brutal yeah. two mile run. Like he was right. So I, I worked my ass off and got in shape and it started to transition. It started, it started to come to the ice. And it really showed. I started to feel more more confident on the ice because I didn't score a goal the first month of the season. And I was, you know, that never happened to me uh, since I was 11 years old. I didn't know how to, you know what I mean? It was a shock to me. I was like, what, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? What else uh, do I do out there now? Yeah. Yeah. And I was getting some assists here and there. And I did my points wise, but like for me, I was a goal scorer like growing up. Again, from 11 years old up till I got drafted until going there, I was, I always scored goals. Assists came because people were stopping my shot or shadowing me or something like that. It really shut my lanes down. So, but it was a big part of that it was off. I need to get in shape. I need to keep up. I need to get to those spots, get to those holes to be able to get those scoring chances at this level. You know, you got it. I mean, you're talking 85 years, one of the best years ever with in all the leagues, but especially OHL, you had like the Richards, you had the, you know, Jeff Carter's of the league. You had uh, go down the list, Eric Stahl and Peterborough, you know, the league was stacked. So yeah. Yeah. it was a very good league and it took me a minute to, to adjust. And, you know, I, at the end of the year, I started really towards the end of the year, I started to get back to that um, kind of same thing as the year before where I was having control of games. So it would be like if Selly was having an off night, then I could step right up as a 16-year-old and take over the play, take over the power play, you know, kind of dictate the play, um, which was great. But then, you know, going into the next season, they, they sold the team. Mississauga always had trouble with with ownership and, and that sort of thing. And they, they sold the team. They had let go of uh, Steve Ludzig and a whole new management came in and it was – I don't want to dive too much into that stuff that I've had to a bunch in my, in my past, but it, it just wasn't fitting. And one thing I'll say from, from just to touch on it, it, it definitely was more, it was odd to have to be a first overall pick and be challenged by a new management for some reason. That's where I'll leave it. Yeah. 
my name kind of gets like slapped around a bunch from it. I don't get it. I, we got challenged out of it. And then we were just like, it's draft here. Like, let's, this is a distraction. We'll go. So I'm sure someone else will take us <laughs> like, you know, so we moved on and, you know, fortunately we got to go play for, for a like of Dale Hunter and, and being that organization with Mark. And uh, I mean, the team was the year I got there was stacked too. We had some great older guys, uh, Scott Shepard, Danny Bois, Dennis Weidman, uh, Corey Perry was just kind of coming into his, you know, into his persona, into a uh, type of player that he was about to be in the NHL, but he wasn't quite there yet. He wasn't 19 year old Corey Perry. Um, we had a good team, uh, fell short in the playoffs that year to Guelph to uh, Cam Jansen, uh, Kevin Klein, Marty St. Louis. I mean, they had a pretty stacked team. So um, that point of that being is that really precursed us because we, we were the better team that year. On paper and through the course of the season, we, we pumped them during the year. We never had a problem with them. And then we lost to a game. Uh, we lost to them in a, a seven game series in the playoffs that year. And it really, I mean, it's one of those things where you read history of hockey of, you know, the Oilers learning how to win uh, from the Islanders, uh, getting their ass kicked and seeing, walking by the room, seeing these guys in ice bags. That was our kind of moment and made us realize what it took to win because the following season we came out like crazy. Uh, we went 31 games undefeated. And we smoked it. I mean, we were just on a war path because we were, we, we really thought we should have won the year before, you know, and that kind of, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say we let up. We just didn't have that extra. We didn't have that extra, yeah, find a way. put them home, put them away kind of thing. And, uh, it wasn't going to happen twice. So the next year we came out and it was an amazing year. Um, personally, I had a lot of growth that year. Um, learn how to play under Dale's system. You know, Dale's a very strict coach in some regards. He's demanding and, and, and expects certain things and he's very stubborn in his ways too. So there's no, like, as a player, you're not going to push him off <laughs> what he thinks, you know what I mean? Which rightfully so. I just, I had to go through it and learn that. The hard way. So the next year I finally got broke through that wall and really we had a lot of respect for each other. And he, you know, he taught me how to play and um, the right, you know, the defensive side of the game. And for him, a lot of it is like during the course of the season, you're building up, playing the right way because when it comes, you know, at the end of the year, playoff times, there's no time. There's no time to cut a corner. There's no time where, well, someone else will get my back check or there's no time for that stuff. And he's right. And that, you know, that's the difference between the year before when we lost and the year next year when we won. Um, the small details, the, the assignments and the competitiveness and the, you know, almost the warrior-like mentality from, you know, the drop of the puck in game one was building you up till that Memorial Cup final game, so to speak. Yeah, it's amazing. Like a couple of lessons, I think, you know, for younger players that have already come out and just, you know, the first 20 minutes of this podcast is, you know, one, uh, you know, the right mentor at the right time uh, can be so positively influential. And the opposite is true. When you've identified a poor fit as a player, you've, you've got to advocate for yourself and look for a better fit. You know, I went through something similar you know, a huge dream of mine was to play at the U.S. development team. Uh, I was fortunate enough to make that team. That was, you know, the end-all, be-all. You know, you're you're at the, uh, you know, the national camps growing up, the U14, the U15. They're showing you, you know, it, it's marketing material, right? There, it's it's, uh, you know, Patrick Kane scoring goals when he was there. It's James Van Riemsdyk scoring goals when he was there, and, and you're just, you're emulating, you're projecting out. I just want to be like that. If I can just play for that team, and it just wasn't a good fit. The way we played. Uh, the coaching style, you know, it wasn't good for me. Conversely, I ended up, you know, going to the OHL, um, you know, played a little bit more of an open game. Uh, Mike Vellucci, you know, I was the only right shot demon. It was, it was hugely uh, positive 
you know, for my career. And then one of the things that, you know, maybe, maybe every, you know, older player and older person in general, you know, you're eight years older than I am would, would admit this is you look back and I don't know if it's possible, but you always want to advise your, your younger self to really treasure these moments. Like you can tell how well you remember these OHL runs, uh, these playoff series, exactly who was on what team. Like you could probably tell me who scored what winning goal when, and you know, very similarly, um, Oh, it was everything to me growing up. And, and I, I, I cherish those moments, even, even the brutal losses at the time, like you just, you learn from them and, and they kind of fill your cup of, cup of hockey knowledge. And, and I, I also want to touch on one of the things that Dale did, which is in my opinion, what always a, a strong coach did and for any coaches listening, like I've played at different levels. I've been, you know, King Tut, the, you know, the guy in the first line, the, the two minutes on the power play guy, you know, I've been a six, seven team in my, in, you know, my career at different spots. And I always felt like the best coaches I've had and Robbie, maybe, maybe you relate to this is, for the games, for, for the guys where the game is comfortable, the game is easy, they challenge them to be better, to do more, to dominate, to be more responsible defensively, to be more energetically engaged, to not get bored, to play the right way in a 5 nothing game because the playoffs are going to matter and, and, and your habits are going to show through, or vice versa when you're on the other side of the pile. Great coaches make the game easier for guys where the game's already challenging, right? Like, you're, you're trying to fight your way out of a scoring slump. Uh, you know, the, the puck just isn't sitting right on your stick these days. And there's certain coaches, they can't give you confidence, but they can help sh- put you on the right path. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of good points there. And it's it's important because, you know, it's, for, I can speak from playing for Dale. He sees it through the lens of an NHL person that makes any sense. So when you're, when you're up seven, nothing and you're doing something, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you can get it seven, nothing, right? It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you try to go between the legs. You're, you're exactly. doing stupid shit. He gave it to me one time. Cause I, I did that. I mean, it was, it was a, a play came in. I probably could have just taken a backhand and went and put a backhand in. I, and I tried to put it up in the air and bat it out of the air. We we're up same, something around there, five, nothing, six, one. And his comment just simply was me. Do you want to be a 30 goal scorer or a 29 goal scorer? It's like, those things matter. And what was the point? And I'm like, yeah, I want to be 30. Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Just put it in. You know what I mean? It wasn't like yeah, yeah. barking down my throat or anything. It was just a really direct comment. And he was right. And he made, it made me think about it. And I was like, you know, but for, you know, on the first side, I'm like, oh, I want to make the fans jump. Right. <laughs> but it's not yeah, what it's yeah. about. You know, it's not, it's not about that. It's about winning and keeping the, you know, good mentality and good habits. And, um, you know, again, he, he sees it through a different lens. Like he he can also see you as a player or as a team through the lens of like the higher level. You're not gonna be able to do this stuff when you get up there. He's not theoretically saying that. It's actually a fact. He knows. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's been it's, there. Yeah, he knows. So that's why a lot of people really want to get there and play because they you know that that guidance is again not theoretical. It's it's you know they watch a ton of hockey and they try to coach that team to the standards of you know NH what's going on in the NHL trends and that sort of stuff. So. Um, you know, that's important. And, and then also to your point, again, I can speak to the, what you said is about like slumps and stuff. Like he was hard on me for sure a bunch of times, but he also knew when to help. And there was, there was a couple of times in the PP where I was really getting shadowed and guys would take it away because I was scoring so many goals from the same rough area. And, you know, I just came up and was like, Trippy, just get it off quicker. 
Like just that's I'm telling you right now, just do me a favor. Don't catch it tonight and hold on to it. He's like, just grab it tonight and whip it. I don't want you to even look. And first play I got on the power play, grab the puck and I didn't score in like six or seven games. And sure enough comes, I didn't even look, grab it, boom, slips through the goalie's five hole. He just gives me like a, you know what I mean? Like, so where she goes. And I was like, you know, he was, he knew when to push and he knew when to be like kind of helpful and, and sort of more of a mentor uh, or guide you, so to speak. And he can get you out of certain, you know, like you said, situations. He played with some great players uh, through his clear career and uh, guys like Peter Bondra, he sticks out, you know, in mind uh, for me, he talked a lot about him too, the way he shot the puck, the way he did different releases. He can one time a puck from anywhere. He can get a shot off from anywhere. And he would, you know, the funny thing about Dale too, we're talking a lot about him, but he could, like when he was out on the ice with us, even at like a little bit older age, he was still like nasty with the puck. Yeah. Like, he would go in the shootout. And that win. doesn't leave you. Yeah. Those, those, I mean, Dale Hunter was, uh, and he, he he didn't just have a cup of coffee. Like he played a long time in the National Hockey League. He doesn't leave those right? guys. Like 3,000 PIMS. And, you know, he did yeah. have a thousand points, which a lot of people forget. A lot of people think about him that Pierre Turgeon hit, you know, like running that guy through the wall after the goal. But yeah. like, man, he could play with, he could, you know, he had, a, he could snipe, he had hands, he could pass the puck. So it's amazing actually, like what other attributes. He wasn't just a hard nosed dude. Um, he had a lot of, he saw the game through a lot of different lenses, which, really I thought was, was pretty cool. Made you re- really respect him again. Like the coach is kind of a, let's say he's kind of a hard ass on you. And then he was a hard ass when he played. And then he goes out and practice right in front of everybody. And he beats all of us, Corey Perry, me, David Bolton in the shootout. <laughs> you got, yeah. 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 I'll take this guy's shit. But, um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. So what do you remember about your transition to pro? You know, cause you, you, you played a long time. I mentioned at the top of the podcast, but you have experience in the OHL and the American Hockey League, and, and you played the American Hockey League when it was real tough, uh, <laughs> yeah. like like tough grinding style of hockey. You know, a first round skill guy, like they couldn't wait to get their hands on you. Uh, you know, the NHL, the Swedish Hockey League, the KHL, the Austrian League, the uh, Switzerland Swiss League. This is all off Hockey DB. So if I'm wrong, let me know. Uh, the Swiss National A and the Deutsch I am I saying that right? Ice Hockey League in Germany. Yeah. Deal. So, yeah. Obviously, a a, a a a huge host of experience. Every league has its its nuance. You know, the North American leagues are going to be most familiar, you know, to our audience today. But you know, you're on the other side of your career now, and it, it's something you know that you did, you earned. No one can ever take it away from you. you had an outstanding career. Uh, it, it's still so cool to see, you know, how passionate you are about, you know, the game. Um. You know, I know pro hockey, I, it, it can, it can bitter you at times. It can humble you, you know, uh, beyond, you know, solace where, man, you're, you're staring at the ceiling fan wondering like, how am I going to get out of this or how am I going to keep doing this? And, uh, you know, what do you remember? What are you most proud of? You know, what do you regret? Um, if there is any, you know, spit it all out. Yeah. I think, you know, for me jumping from junior to pro it's like the last year of my junior career was I, I had a lot of success and and a lot of gas um, 57 goals in 57 games yeah 145 points it came out swinging too so that first thing i just read someone tweeted at me the other day um the first eight games i had 30 points back from i got sent i was the last cut in edmonton my first eight games yeah. back i had 30 points and i was gotten to i really thought i could have made the team that year and that's 
you know, it was a big lesson for me. You know, don't put. What was that? What was that exit meeting like? Do you remember it? Uh, it was, it was confusing as hell. To be honest with you, because it was like the city was wrapped around, like all the newspapers, like, and that's another thing I learned. Don't read that. Don't read it. Even though you know, that was positive, it wasn't like negative at all. It was all positive. I thought it was on the team, and you know got the meeting and it was kind of like, Hey, you know, great camp. Thought you did well. Um, we're going to, we're going to send you down, but we're going to sign you to your entry level. So it was kind of like, I guess the old smack and tickle. (laughs) I I just was like, I got hit with that. And I was like, and then I got hit with like that signing. I'm like, you know, that's something for me coming from our family. Like we, my dad worked in a factory, worked his asshole. My mom worked two jobs always working two jobs. So like that was a huge, but right after like getting the, we're going to cut you. It was kind of, it was such a different emotion, man. Like if I'm being brutally honest, I was like, yeah, what the yeah. hell? Um, so after I had time to chew on it, I went back to London and I was, then I was pissed. I was like, man, I, I should have been there. You know, I want to be there. I, I want to challenge. I want to prove myself. And I came gunslinging, uh, you know, gunslinging, so to speak back to London. And I was, me and Bowles were chirping back and forth when I was still in Edmonton. He was already back from Chicago and he had got a little bit of head start. He was like 10 games ahead of me and he had like 30 points. And I remember sitting, I remember on like Skype or something. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to catch you, buddy. I'm going to catch you. Watch this. And he's like, You're right, whatever. So as soon as I got back to London, you know, guns blazing. But anyways, to take that, it was like a lot of that year. I really did well in the league. And I thought that would transition in the next year going into training camp, got cut again, another blow go down to the minors and like you touched on it, it was the wild west. I mean, it's, it was crazy back then. Every team's had five, six fighters. I mean, we had, we had monster. We had Dennis Bonby, Matt Karkner, Dan Carcillo, everybody could Brian stone. We had like five dudes and every game was like Philly. We go into Philly, we go to Hershey. It was like four or five fights every night. And it was, um, I grew up watching that. And when I was like 11, 12 years old, the junior A team was in the Metro league in Ontario. And there was that, that kind of hockey was there. So this wasn't fresh to me or like, what is this? I've never seen it kind of thing. But I was like, then trying to be, a, trying to get out of there as a skill guy. <laughs> it's like, what, what am I supposed to do here? Like, I don't know. I toughen up or I was never going to start scrapping. You know, that was never going to be my game, but um, you know, it's a tricky balance in that time of the big physical game and trying to find your way through being a skilled guy. And fortunate for fortunate for me, we picked up Robert Nielsen uh, with a, through a trade with the Islanders, and that saved my career. I saved my career, but saved my season. I mean, going into that, I had like, as a point guy, I had like, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 points in 40 games. And I had no idea, I had no clue which way to turn. I wasn't dominating. I didn't really, wasn't clicking on the power play with anybody. And Robert Nielsen and I came, uh, got together. He got there. We just tore it right up. Like we thought we just had that chemistry and that we knew each where each other were at all times. And the power play just started going boom. And then it went to five on five. And that just raised me up, gave me confidence. And, and we both were, I finished the year with like 53 points and 60 games, which is a, a hell of a comeback from where I started. And that was, that was uplifting. And then, the following season, he stayed up with the big club. I didn't. <laughs> so back, back down, just kept getting kind of knocked down the ladder. Um, you know, it's just, it's tough. You got to stick with it. And I'd say, you know, for me, I, that's one thing. If I look back, it would be my third year in the minors. I really just kind of hit a wall. 
very frustrated, very unfocused in the sense of I, I just couldn't see past the clouds and it was frustrating. I, I let it get to me. Um, you know, if you're a young guy, it's just, there's other people watching you. It's tough though. It's I'm older now. And, and that's the advice I was getting back then. It didn't, I was so clouded. So full of it, whatever, maybe anger, or bitterness. Um, I forgot about that 12 year old kid, you know, and I yeah. then forgot about him and I was kind of lost. Um, so I think if you're ever in a tough time like that as a, as a player going through it, again, we touched on it in this pod is like, think about that kid. Like, what would you do to enjoy the game? You know, if I was upset as a 12 year old at anything outside of hockey, I went to the rink and I worked and just mm-hmm. went shot pucks. Probably should have done the same thing that year, the third year of my minors. I, I didn't though. I just got clouded. So that got shelved. And luckily the next year I got picked up by the Islanders. And that was a, a breath of fresh air and gave me a chance to clean the slate and not have anything, you know, from whatever baggage from before. And uh, it was great from there, to be honest with you. I, I really had a good time in New York. Um, had to earn my stuff there, but it was a different feeling. I, I got there off waivers. I played the first four games. I remember the meeting. They got called in. So what position do you play? I was like, uh, kind of almost shocked by the question. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. I played center in my whole, you know, I've always played center, but okay. Can you play wing? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I played last year, I played a bunch of wing and, um, you know, I played the right side, which was, I've tried the left side, didn't go that well. And the right side, I felt a lot more comfortable. I could attack and, and oh, okay, okay. So I show up the next day of practice, fourth, fourth line, left wing. Because <laughs> they go in. Yeah. yeah. Talk. But so the, they didn't go well those first four games, and I knew it. And I was kind of like, damn, in my head, I'm like, God, I'm getting sent down, I'm getting sent down. They're like, they just called me in and said, listen, you're not to wait until the center spot, you know, opens up, and we're going to stay in practice and work hard and earn your spot. And you know, why I'm taking like, I think it was around 15 games. I sat all healthy scratch. A long time. Yeah, getting there. Uh, Scotty Allen was back skating us every day. Blake Como and myself, we, the, the pit bull, the bulldog. That's a tough guy to back skate with, too. Blake Como can go. He's a whole man. His legs are like twice as high. He's a horse. He does not get tired, man. You see the guy in the penalty kills still, and and he just keeps churning. Yeah. With that, with that, he he's got a curve like a gardening hole. It's like a, it's like the, it's like the wedge. What they shovel? It's what they shovel the ice with in between whistles. Exactly. Yeah. So Combs was awesome, and we ended up kind of getting back in the lineup at the same time, and him and I hit it off on a line. And it was great. You know, I had some good success that year. And so you'd say out of those, that was probably four or five games. So about 40 games, we put up almost a point a game, roughly somewhere around there, like 25 points, 40 games. It's a good, good clip, at least for, we were third line kind of offensive, not really expected for offense. We just kind of, you know what I mean? That depth scoring, so to speak, Um, which we did well. And that year I got a chance to really learn about like how to add value um, but the shootout stuff, like it was different, but that's what kept me that wind up keeping me in the lineup. I came in and, and started doing well, getting, putting up some points and stuff. But then when the shootout started happening, Franz Nielsen and myself, really, we just kept scoring and that was huge for us. We went, we had a ton, a bunch of ties that year, but for me sitting on the, you know, wanting more as a third line guy coming from still had that fresh memory of, I guess, junior, like I could score here, you know, and some of these guys that yeah, are coming yeah. up, the new guys coming in the league, I'm like, man, I scored that guy by hundred points. You know, that's my mentality, but that's not the way she goes. You got to take what you're getting and earn what you get. <clears throat> um, the the shootout was like something I could keep me valuable to the team. And that's something I think you can agree with us. Once you get around that level, 
It's whatever you can do. It's not what you think or what you think is deserved or owed. It's not, nobody cares. Um, and not many nobody, people are going to make a call to make somebody care. It's going to be in your lap. It was going to be on you to prove and earn. And sometimes it might not happen. And that's just the way she goes. And it's, you know, world's not fair. But at least when you give it your all and you, you know, try new things, you try new angles. If you get knocked down, you get back up. You'll at least have self integrity uh, at the end of it. And you can look yourself in the mirror when you're 35. Yeah. F- finding value. And I call it like mental fitness. Mental health gets a lot of, um, you know, there's a, there's a stigma around it. It almost implies, you know, weakness. But it, when I think of physical strength, right, it's your ability to tolerate stress. Like what? How hard can you bag skate and recover? How fast can you go? How much weight can you push? How much weight can you handle? And then there's there's physical recovery tools, right? You, you see guys jump in the cold tub, they jump in the sauna, whatever. And that's something that when I look back at, you know, younger in my career, like th- there will be, the American League is so trying. And and you talk to guys from the coast and things like that, it, that's even more difficult uh, emotionally, mentally. And... I wish I had done a better job learning to refresh myself mentally uh, as a young pro. Like I remember how many bitter days I had come to the rink, just, just angry, uh, defiant. It didn't matter what the coach said. I was going to find a way to think he was an idiot. Um, you know, I, similar where, you know, I was in the American league a lot later and it, it wasn't as spicy as when you were there, but like I had like 135 penalty minutes as a five foot 10 D man. My first year, you know, I, I had an interesting path, so I did really well in the OHL, not as well as you, uh, did really, really well in the playoffs, had a stellar development camp, a stellar world junior evaluation. All of a sudden, I went from a fifth-round pick without a contract to, uh, you know, Steve Richmond was the head of player development for the Washington Capitals, telling me, hey, like, Connor, you're, like you, you got a chance to play in the NHL, and me getting all smiley and giddy, being like, you know, wow, I really hadn't thought of it like that. And he's like, no, like, you got a chance when you come back for rookie camp in the fall. Like, like you better really be ready. And I didn't even have a contract yet, so I didn't know what that meant. And, uh, you know, man, got got hot, uh, you know, killed it in preseason and did really well. Um, but, you know, something similar where I was kind of a more offensive guy. I was playing behind, you know, John Carlson and Mike Green, you know, who were, you know, both, you know, premier, premier offensive D-men. So I was going to have to go down to the minors and, like, learn how to add value all of a sudden I'm, I'm playing my offside um you know i'm get i'm on the power play i'm getting pulled off and i don't know if you can hit that reset button and go okay situation sucks connor but like you you've got to find a way to make the team better tonight otherwise the carpet you're standing on will be, you know the rug will get pulled underneath you and all of a sudden you'll 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 really have no idea the opportunity you had because opportunity it's tough to come by in pro sport there's just in pro hockey there's just too many good players yeah, <clears throat> there's always new waves, new draft picks, new new flashy players to to management and to scouts. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's it's a maybe a shameless plug, but that's really why I'm in this space too that I'm in is is trying to add value to players like that and try to show them how to through experience being there. Like, don't get bogged down. You I mean, you say you're an offensive guy, it's you're not going to have the rope that Johnny has or Mike has. But you being ready for the moment when you could add some value offensively and not, you know, because the emotional side of things could, it, it clouds you sometimes. It really does. And you're thinking, I just got to be this and like gripping your stick or, 
can't make a mistake sort of thing. That's, that's a little bit different than I'm going to play a different way. And once I get my opportunity, watch this, you know, that's a mindset and it's a change. Just be patient, you know, and then you're, then all of a sudden you're like an added value guy. You're an added offensive value guy without any, you're not doing any risk. You're not, you don't need rope. You're playing solid. You're playing sound. You're, you're just going to wait until that door opens and you take advantage of it. Cause a lot of, again, the mental side of it is again, when you get pegged in that spot where you're not comfortable, you immediately almost shut down and you're like, F this guy, like I can, you know, I'm better yeah. than, you know, like, yeah, everybody's competitive. And sometimes you might say that to yourself and you might be, uh, you might not have any self-awareness that you're not John, you don't know if I was saying you were like, I'm not Patrick Kane, you know, yeah you're not who you think you are, so to speak, but you can challenge and want to be that greatness. Um, anyways, point being is just staying mentally clear, mentally thinking about things a different way. Um, more positive. Yeah. Different, different perspective. Right. And I I don't think it's the same shameless plug. Like a big reason I had you on the, on the podcast is you're working with, with vision 44. Like I, I think, you know, we've laid a lot of the background of, of, how vast your experience is, how, how hard earned it is, how long it's taken you to accumulate all this. Um, you know, what is your mission with vision 44? What is it uh, that makes you so passionate about it? Cause I've seen it, you know, just through talking to you and, and, and through social media and things like that. Um, it, it transition out of hockey can be brutal, especially for the guys that were, were really close to having that next level of success. Right. Like, you know, you and I have both played, you know, a, a strong, considerable amount of games, you know, but let's both be honest. We, we'd obviously love to be sitting on a thousand games played careers when we're done. Like that, that's, that's how yeah. you think as a player, right? Like I, I remember when I first got drafted, it was in 2012. And I remember thinking to myself, uh, I went to a, a, I think it was a, a Blackhawks playoff game after that. I'm trying to remember. And I remember thinking I was so jealous of the guys during the anthem. I was like, man, if I can just play one NHL game, I could die happy. And if I, after I played the first NHL game, I'm like, I'm an idiot. I need way more than that to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I am nowhere near satisfied, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so what is it? Vision 44 does so well. What is it? Your team does. So, well? I mean, listen to some of the coaches you got. I, I wrote some of them down here. I mean, you've got yourself, Craig Cunningham, you know, who's got a, a, a fascinating and, and beyond inspiring story. Mike McKenna, uh, Blake Bolden, who I've had on the podcast, what a, what a breath of fresh air she is. Awesome. Uh, Freddie great. Meyer. I, uh, I don't know a couple of these, uh, guest coaches. I think it's, is Nathan craze. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. Craze and then, uh, Amanda Pelkey. And, and, you know, there's a ton more with testimonials from Patrick Kane, Drew Doughty, uh, Corey Perry, Dale Hunter, Don Hay, John, uh, Jay Bowmeister. Um, it's obviously a superstar staff. Uh, a staff you should be, you know, and I'm sure you are super proud of, but what is it uh, you found so rewarding working with, you know, kind of the next wave of player uh, and what drives you to keep learning? Yeah, it's, I, I just really, I, I started doing it all with a couple, it's, you know, kind of was started off as like almost theory. I know there's other people doing it, but when you jump into something new, you never know. And, you know, started just doing clips for some players and seeing it through my eyes. And the thing was for me when I played con was like, I try to draw up on the bench and stuff. Like I could see, I saw the game. I see things like I, my vision was my thing. So when I'm on the bench trying to like draw it up on a chalkboard, it is frustrating. And, and sometimes guys, what are you talking about? Like they just, I couldn't get what I saw to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I started doing it on this platform. Insta, 
and it was unbel- it was so I don't know what the right word is, but uh, it just opened up. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! Like I sent because I thought again it was theory then, so I started sending them to some players, and they're like, thank you, this is sick. Like that that makes a lot of sense, and I kept getting that. This makes a lot of yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and they started doing it and it started working. So I was like. Okay, so then I realized that this is going to work. And I started just kind of calling people like Freddie Meyer and these kind of people. And I thought the other thing I had a big passion for was the women's side of the game. I was like, this is yeah. this is brilliant. I think if we could take Olympic level women or NWHL women or these high level women, insert their knowledge and experience, just like we're doing with the boys and the men into these young girls at 12, 13. Like, that's the thing that I think a lot of... Uh, a lot of the lacking at that, you know, 12, 13 year old girls game is, is that, you know, like, let's say like Marty St. Louis coaching a 12 year old team right now, uh, Vincent LeCavalier, Tim Conley, like these names are all circling back coaching boys hockey. That's great information, great knowledge. It, it what I saw, it didn't really happen on the girls side for the women. Yeah. And cause it wasn't really a lane. I know some, somebody's like, they're, they're making like, you know, good money coaching peewee hockey that doesn't exist. So for the girls, I thought it would be a, a unique way to open a door of opportunity for them to, again, help grow the game with that great knowledge, great experience. And just like we're doing with the boys, but like even more so, because it's I think that's where they need a little uh, injection of knowledge and experience and, and not theoretical stuff. It's it's game like. So that's where it kind of got built from. And, and everybody came on the platform. And, and it's really now it's been a matter of, of giving, uh, expanding this knowledge and experience um, from pretty high levels. And it can be, you know, you know, it has the ability to be global. It's really cool. So you don't have to be at a, let's say, a 44 vision camp to get that. You could be yeah. in Kazakhstan. You can be in Chicago. You can be anywhere. And if you have game film, we can have one of these coaches in certain. And the other thing is I wanted to add different types of coaches. I didn't, this isn't like Rob Shrimp's platform. I wanted like, you know, I wasn't known as a defensive special set by any means. So having a Freddie Meyer on the defensive side, a Danny Sivret, or even a Glenn Metropolitan, like these different names that saw the game through different lenses, I think that's a to collect a mass amount of, again, knowledge. I keep using the same words, but that's important, the knowledge and experience. You collect a bunch of it, and you can really help a lot of people. And we all had our different journeys, our different paths. Uh, so then it becomes a lot more like mentorship. And even, you know, if it's not something of a half wall issue, it becomes something along of my coaches, you know, have, I'm having an issue with my coach. I can tell from my experience. Well, again, be creative, like don't be stubborn. Um, you know, try these different things that we just talked about, like thinking, going away, going at these problems in a different way that I wish I maybe would have done, you know, and it's, it's a different way to give back. And it's, again, I like when I tell, you know, when I'm telling a kid that I say, listen, I went through this. I'm not just saying, I'm not just grabbing an inspirational quote from the internet and telling you, I just, I lived it. I've been through it. I was that age and you know, that stubbornness. And I'm telling you like, try a different angle and, you know, mentor them through it. And it's smooths it out a little bit faster. And uh, I, I think it's, it's gratifying for me personally to be able to do that. And the response has been phenomenal. Um, and you know, the last piece of it is trying to do it as a, at a feasible amount for a feasible cost, um, kind of growing a team of coaches where we can expand and hit a large amount of number of players for, for fair, you know, again, if there's some of this stuff that's out there, I know I wouldn't have been able to afford it. My, my shooting lessons with Donnie Kernan Jr. cost my dad like, you know, 20 bucks an hour. So I was very fortunate. Uh, I remember I had a guy in, in Michigan. He, he used to, uh, I called him Kenny Skills. I actually uh, never even learned his last name because his hands were just so good. That's what we call him. I swear to God, I called him Kenny That's Skills. Awesome. 
He used this huge uh, wedge, you know, heel curve, the old school Drury. And he had better hands than all of us. Like on our OHL team was like myself, Ricard Raquel, Vince Trocek, Tom Wilson, Ryan Hartman, uh, Mitch Hurd. Uh, I mean, Mitch. we were loaded. We lost a, we, we lost to London in the Eastern Conference Finals. Or maybe, no, the Western Conference Finals. Uh, they had Domi, Horvat, Zadorov, Dakota Mermis, uh, Anthony Stolarz, uh, Scott Harrington, uh, Josh Anderson, uh, Chris Tierney. Like the, it was a loaded series. I'm missing, you know, a couple guys there. Wow. And um, it was it was so sick. But this Kenny Skills, swear to God, had better hands than all of us. And our lessons were five dollars. No way. For five dollars, he would have us on the ice, and he would—he's he, got an Instagram account. I'll, I'll have to put it in the show notes. But he's just an awesome hockey nerd, stick nerd. All his clients have phenomenal, you know, puck skills, and and it was just you know the best. And again, another guy that you know grabbed me at the right time and said, "Hey, I, you know, if you got some passion, like I, I'd love to help you." And and you know, I agree. I, I uh, you know, I just picked up uh, Daryl Belfry. You know, is another awesome name that you know, your colleague, you know, competitor, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, when I first met him with the Leafs and I, I, you know, picked up his book, it was very similar. It's like, okay. Like the only thing I knew at 15 years old was like long stride, shoot to hurt or shoot to score. So my dad used to say, like, if anyone gets in the way, make sure it stings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and pass the puck hard and have soft hands. Like that was literally the full extent of my hockey knowledge. And that, at the U.S. team, I added, don't use your backhand, which did not serve me in pro hockey. We had a strictly uh, no backhand play rule at the U.S. development team. Nice. Um, which, yeah, stupid. Um, uh, don't use your backhand. Don't pass uh, skating backwards. Our coach used to call it the Larry Robinson School of, of, of Defense, which maybe I support, but I also see a lot of high-end players, you know, having to skid backwards and make plays. Um when you can and close on and close quick in the D zone. That to, was it. Like, and that's what I went to pro hockey with. You can take some from, and I know he does it all the time. Mark Giordano, ask him about pace. He wheels backwards and snaps yeah. the puck. We, he works on the yeah. drill all the time. And I got, I, I love that drill. I did it with him. I used to skate with him in the summers with a, a mutual friend of ours, Brad Wheeler, but th that's a, it's a super effective tool as a defenseman and time saver and also when you learn how to do it with accuracy you can really push the pace and that's a new term right push the pace push the pace and that's yeah. something sorry to cut you off but i just wanted no no i got no. in front of you now geo is a great guy you can learn from on this stuff awesome um, elite player and another guy that had to you know be a real real crafty and, and kind of hard-headed in in his approach right he was uh you know kind of denied at first took his game overseas came back um you know has gone on to, you know, play the NHL now. I don't even know what year it is for him, uh, but it's been a long time. He, he's an infectious guy to be around the rink. I've, I've really had limited experience with him, but I've, I've loved, uh, you know, watching him work here at, at training camp. I think we're on day five, our first, uh, you know, off day as, as Robbie and I record this. Um, what is something particularly about the European pro leagues uh, that you remember fondly? Like, I, I know I've talked, I've talked to teammates that have gone overseas uh, on one end it's a way to continue to do what they love. Uh, it, it's a, it's a continuous income. You know, at this point it's, it's a bit of a bridge to figure out what they want to do next after, you know, pro hockey. Um, you know, and a lot of guys, you know, flat out just don't make enough money to retire into the sunset, you know, forever. Um, and, and on another token, it's very much a, a carpe diem move, you know, uh, they want to see the world and, and experience different things. And, 
A lot of them come home with, you know, very interesting stories, uh, unique insights on how different players around the world work, how they work on their craft, what their practice habits are, what the system differences are. Um, how has that helped you in your, in your current, you know, coaching uh, profession? I think it was a great education on the game for me. Um, you know, I came over pretty typical North American when I first got to Moto and thought I was going to go over there and score a hundred points. And, you know, it's just going to be a ball hockey fest and man, it, it was unbelievable hockey. I, I don't, I mean, I wound up having, I don't know, 40 points, 42 points, I think in 50 games. And they were super happy about it, which I, in the beginning, I remember when I first got there, I, I didn't have a point in the first seven games. And, uh, yeah. Marcus Naslin was the uh, general manager. Peter Forsberg was the assistant general manager, and Elf Samuelson Jesus. was the head coach. What a staff! Yeah, it was sick. And Peter, Peter, that was, is sick. Peter and Marcus were both like two idols of mine. Especially Peter, I loved him. Mine too. Yeah, I used to love his reverse hits, the way he used to wheel around the offensive zone and just zip it, zip it, crossover, step into a clapper, go cheese. Like he was somebody that I I grew up. I had it on my Tony D Quebec card. Uh, he was one of my favorite players. So. Uh, it was unique to get to go there and play, see him in the locker room and stuff. But to take it back to the story, I mean, first seven games, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to get fired. And I got called in the office, and Elfie was I – mean, I was playing good. It wasn't like, oh, you know, 0.7 games, and I sucked. I was like – it was just a different game. And there's something that yeah. Don Kernan taught me when I was going into the Tier 2 Junior at 14. He said to me, he goes, Rob, it's going to take you 10 games to understand this league. He's, it's going to take you 10 games and understand every league going for the rest of your career. So just understand that and don't get mad. Don't get frustrated. Just, just remember, it's going to take you 10 games in the beginning, any fresh league you go to, to learn it. And fortunate enough for me in the tier two, one, it took me no time, uh, but progressing OHL, same thing. Didn't score. Yeah. Um, went to Sweden, new league, didn't score. And it was, it was crazy. Just right around 10 games. I just started getting, figuring it out, figure, finding the trends, finding the patterns. Um, so anyways, it's, it's, it's definitely, it was an eye opener to realize that there's, you know, cause in North America is just all NHL, NHL, which it is what it is. We don't see European hockey, so we don't know what it is. No. And maybe it's a defense mechanism for, for us when we were in North America to like just constantly chirp Europe, but it's good hockey, like really good hockey. Uh, it's just a different game, bigger ice surface, right? So there's more space. It's not that tighter area, bigger guys, just ground and pound. It's, it's more spread out and more tactical, more, a little bit more like soccer in the sense of tactics where not so much striking, you know what I mean? It's like possess, 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 find the hole, try to strike. Uh, but that creates, is a lot more skill, a lot more ability to make passes. Um, you know, if I, for me to, uh, sort of encapsulate it, it was, you know, in North America, you, you slip a check and you make one pass and it's a great A, you know, in Europe, you slip a check, you got to make, you got to string along after you slip a check, it's two more passes usually for a great A. Wow. So it's, you see where that window kind of gets smaller to score or the opportunity because making, you know, stringing two passes is definitely harder than just one. Like, Walk yeah. off the half. In anything in North America, you walk off. For me personally, if I could walk off the half wall and get just about the top of circles, I comfortably could score from there, confidently. Yeah, it's a real shot. Yeah, it's a real shot. And I, when I started going, when I went over there, I was doing it. It was like playing catch with a goalie. It was embarrassing, like how yeah lethal it was. <laughs> it was like holy shit. I think that guy didn't even flinch. You know, and it was like I had to figure it out. So, um, you know, and all through, you know, KHL is a whole different beast. You know, a lot of skilled guys, a lot of big dudes, a lot of fast players. 
uh, really good hockey players outside the NHL, totally different league. Switzerland was more, a little bit more like, I just, if I encapsulate it, it would be ball, a little ball hockey-ish, you know, running gun, yeah. like, and pro hockey, I'd never seen so many, like one guy gets a breakaway, misses, and somehow, the, you know, the back checker gets it and slings it on a breakaway the other way. I mean, it happened more times than you could count. So it's kind of like, where was the nine guys on the first one? And where was the nine guys on the other one? <laughs> like, yeah, where yeah, was yeah. Um, you know, so, but I thought in my opinion outside the NHL, but it's, I haven't played in a while, but uh, Sweden was the best league outside the NHL in my, in my opinion. This way it's the structure, the way the game was played, uh, the level of play, um, the, kind of uh, parity through the league. You know, it was very tight. You know, even the bottom level teams were pretty tough games and they weren't pushover. So um, it was a wild ride and through Europe. For me, it was, it was, it was uh, extending the career and just keep playing as long as I could. Um, enjoyed all the cities I went to. It was a great, I mean, coming from Fulton, New York, who would have thought I would have lived in Latvia, Switzerland twice, Sweden twice, Germany, um, in Austria. I mean, those are amazing places in the world. I got to pay, yeah, uh, yeah. paid to play hockey there. So it was really cool. And I came back the year I met, I saw you at the all-star game. It was kind of yep, yep. 28, 29. I'm like, yeah, what the hell? Just take a kick at the can one more time. I, I still felt like I had game and I came in, I played well. Yeah. I was, I was proud of that effort. I came, I thought they, they gave me an HL deal and they said, listen, if you play well, we'll rip that up and call you up. And, uh, the first, I think it was the first, 12 games a year, I had seven goals and two guys in the top six went down and <laughs> not even a sniff. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's it happening. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was old enough to be able to, um, to absorb that at that time, you know, maybe a 22 was, it would have been maybe a little bit more pouty and you know what I'm saying? You take it a little bit differently. 29, I was just appreciative to be back in North America and be closer to mom and dad and enjoy the game in North America for a year. Yeah, I think that's one of the the luxuries of getting older, like just the the grace you have with the game, the understanding you have for the, kind of the whole machine, and and just how sensitive some of the bounces you get or don't get are. And we were talking about you know second third year pro. I remember our power play in Hershey. I think this actually might have been the year that we met at the uh, HL All Star game. I think it was in Utica, and uh, like our power play was struggling, and uh, you know the guy banging one time was kind of in the Ovechkin spot, or you know. He was a righty, so it'd be the Ovi spot, not the Robbie Shrimp spot on the left. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he kept like double clutching these these one timers, you know. And he was he Thomas Kondratik was an AHL All Star, and he's and he's throwing a fit. He comes up to me and he's he keeps telling me my passes suck. You know, your passes are just not right. You're there, the pucks flopping. You know, the timing is not right. And uh, I think they had Stanislav Galiev, who's on, who's in the KHL now. He was on the second unit heating up. And for whatever reason, the hands weren't exactly right. And they moved him onto my unit and we got super hot, uh, like the first, the, the last 25 games. And that's what got me into the AHL all-star uh, nice. game was, you know, Galiev started banging my one timers home. You know, I was kind of going up to Cundy being like, Hey, what was wrong with those passes? Like Stan seems to love them <laughs> yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, giving them shit. Oh, and, uh, you know, it would have been so easy for the coach to, you know, Maybe he puts him up top. Maybe he takes me off, whatever. And and then the second year I was an AHL All-Star, that puts me on team shortlist. I remember I'm, I get called up. You know, I'm with the Washington Capitals. I'm not really playing. You know, and that Todd Reardon, uh, you know, who was the head coach there eventually, you know, he's the assistant in, in Pittsburgh now. And he just tells me like, hey, you know, keep playing super well. You're on shortlist. Like, you, people are watching and, and you know, um, Man, you just you tip your cap at you know all the times you've been on the right side of bounces. You 
you kind of forgive yourself for all the ones where you recognize you had a, a short leash and, and the cards were stacked against you. And on the other side of it, you have, you know, hopefully like yourself have, you know, something you're passionate about to fall back on a huge wealth of knowledge, you know, to, to, to share and, and, and give to, you know, the next player, the next, you know, Robbie Shrimp, who, you know, frankly just, you know, had other mentors, but not you. And, um, you know, I appreciate all you do for the game. And, and I also want to, you know, just kind of, I use, I've leaned on this term a couple of times, but tip my cap to, you know, your work ethic, 19 hour travel day. You just got back from the U S you know, you're over in Latvia, you know, hosting, uh, you know, having this podcast together, that hockey work ethic, man, it follows you wherever you go. It's not something you drop when you're done with the game. Ah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. I think, uh, yeah, there's so much things when you, when you, once you get done with the game, you realize what it's taught you, the, the life. And it's a lot of guys say it, so it's not anything new or shattering what I'm saying, but it's, it really sticks out to you that stuff when you find your passion, how much that went into hockey to get it, you know, for me personally, to get me to where I got to go to, it was passion and drive. Uh, now I'm, I'm back in hockey, but to your point though, these things I've tried to implement it in other things. I walked away from hockey for a couple of years and just to see some of the, you know, tangibles that hockey taught you and some of the traits that gave you, um, makes it less scary. I guess once you walk away from the game, yeah. you know, it's always scary walking away not knowing what you're going to do or where things apply. You know, we're used to making sauce passes and ripping clappers or, you know, now you're zipping emails and making phone calls and following up and circling back and that sort of thing. But uh, the work ethic kind of sticks out. Um, the honesty, integrity are the things that I think the game really instills in you. Um, yeah. So it's, it's definitely fun being in a different side. I'm, I'm happy to be back in the game. I've just needed to find my path and I, I'm super passionate about this. You know, and the, and the best thing about NowCon is the game is so skilled. Like you're seeing 13, 14, it's 15. Sick. It's so skilled. It's painfully skilled. But that's like I, I still had coaches when I was, when I was in midget, I had a coach come up to me. Uh, he goes, what position do you play? I said, I play D-man. He goes, no way. Come on. Like your hand, your hands are way too good to be a D-man. And like, that was uh, like, imagine a coach saying that to Kale McCarr when he was 15. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, he's McKinnon just on defense. You know yep. what I mean? And uh, man, it's uh, it's because of guys like you. That's what it is. Well, it's it's exciting to see. You know, it's it's fun to see this game evolve. You know, the rule change took a long time to hit the NHL. You know, in two thousand four, yep. two thousand five lockout. Um, but it's it's great now because the game's evolved. The borders have kind of come down to the old school. You know, kind of it, it's gone. You can't. There's no. There's not many scrappers anymore. Got, there's no teams that have five or six fighters, let alone one or two. No, uh, the rules have totally kind of devolved in what they wanted to. And what I see now is just speak lastly on it is like the young kids are getting super skilled, but with, with our platforms, what we're seeing is like that education of hockey IQ of like where to insert punch stop or where to insert Crosby's where to insert, you know, these individual skills that are being taught. And it's great that they're learning them. The skating has picked up so much, right? Like if I watch, you know, I'm watching a ton of hockey now, like, I think about back back when I played, it wasn't that long ago, but you know, even in junior, there was always like two guys maybe on each team that you could pick on defensive uh, for defense. Yeah. Like this guy's boots are terrible. I'm going to walk, you know, like if you did your pre-scout as a player, yeah. you looked in the packet, you'd see like, or watched them last time you played them. You always had your little, you had a guy you could pick on. And nowadays there's nobody. <laughs> like Everybody no can skate. Everybody's got an active stick and it's like, it's, it's totally changed, you know? No, I appreciate that. Um, Robbie, this was stellar, man. I, I really appreciate your time, your insight, your story. Uh, it's clear, you know, just how passionate about, 
you know what you're doing now is with Vision 44, and it's been it's been it's inspiring to see, right? Because I'll be I'll be at that stage someday, and, and to see you handle it. I'm sure there were some tough days, but uh, at least from this side of the fence, it it's looked you know graceful, like a like a like a like a fine wine type of aging, right? Not a not a molding over. <laughs> and uh, you know, a bitter and resentment. So anyway, um, where can people find Maury if they want to reach out, uh, learn more about your platform, learn more about what you're doing next? Uh, 44visionhockey.com is our, our site and you can reach out on there and I respond very fast. So, and we are, we're also on Instagram and Twitter, uh, and Facebook as well. 44visionhockey.com is our 44 vision on the tags for Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter as well. So there's some cool videos we put out there, put out some informational stuff and follow along with us. And we like to put out a little, you know, just some informational videos as far as breaking down some clips and showing the why and the what. So, um, Try to give out as much value as possible to everybody and try, try to help evolve this game and grow the game and, and be part of it. So I appreciate you having me on, dude. It's, it's great to catch up with you. And uh, anything you need down the road, let me know. I'm, I'm happy to, to connect with you and, and help you out if I can. Yeah, we will do. we will do. Thanks, Rob. 